Welcome to the Grace for This City podcast. We're helping you turn your city upside down. Hey, I'm your host, Justin Goff. Stay tuned. We got a great show for you today. All right. Thank you for tuning in to the podcast. This is the Grace for This City podcast. I'm your host, Justin. Hey, we're helping you turn your cities upside down. How are we doing that? Well, we are giving you scriptural motivation and strategies so you can get out there and get some stuff done for your king, King Jesus, that is. And I'm telling you, it's an honor to be here. Coming at you every week, throwing a new podcast up there every Thursday. Thank you so much for tuning in. And hey, uh, depending on where you're getting your podcast content from, like, subscribe, share this with somebody that you know, it'll bless them. Let us know if it has encouraged you or challenged you in any way. You can send us an email, hello at gracecitychurch.tv or put a comment right there. If you're listening on iTunes, uh, of course, we're on Amazon Podcast, Google Podcast. We're on uh, Listen Notes. We're everywhere. I think we're pretty much everywhere you can get any major podcast content. All right. And uh, thank you for believing with us, too. You know, I read something the other day that uh, one in three people listen to a podcast globally. That's quite a few people. You know, that's several billion people. And uh, join us in our faith that this podcast will get exactly where it needs to go. Before we started this, the Lord said, get the word out. We're not trying to get our name out. We're trying to get the word out. We want to help folks and you can help us do that. All right, let's jump into the podcast today. I'm going to pick up on a thought that I started last week and we did a podcast called the submission of faith, the submission of faith. And we basically were saying this, that faith isn't something you just make up. A lot of people are just making stuff up. They're making stuff up. They're using the magic wand of faith, or so they think that faith is a magic wand, and they can just look at something, find something, say, I want that, and then say, God, go get that for me, like God's some big cosmic Santa Claus or sugar daddy. And uh, But we looked at faith as actually uh, a response, or faith submits to a thing being revealed. Um, now, paradigmatically speaking here, the word always has preeminence. If faith cometh by hearing, then that means there's a word first. There's a, a and when we say word, we can look at Habakkuk chapter two, and there we see something very interesting. He said, he will watch what he will say. He's referring to the Lord. He said, I'm going to set myself on the rampart. I'm going to watch what he will say. So when we're talking about faith cometh by hearing, we're we're really saying, okay, if we could just boil, boil this down, not get all hung up on semantics here, but faith cometh because God reveals something to you, whether that was a sight or sound, either way, uh, something was revealed to you. Faith is a response or faith submits to the thing revealed. There's a great partnership here. Um, the Father, Jesus in particularly, he was the word made flesh. So the word always comes first. There's always a word. And then faith, Hebrews says, is what? the substance of things hoped for. So here's the heavenly partnership. Father will reveal a thing that he intends for you to release your faith for in order for the thing revealed to take upon itself substance or flesh so it can manifest in the earth realms. And uh, what a tremendous partnership. And so uh, if you didn't catch last week's podcast, go back, listen to that, the submission of faith. I just want to encourage you, don't go around uh, it's tricky and the, the enemy is tricky, but don't go around and, 
allow yourself to just lust after things. Lust doesn't mean sexual. It, it, it can include that, but it doesn't always mean that. Um, and we see a uh, antichrist strategy. I'm turning there. I wasn't prepared for this, but I want to read this to you in First John. We see an antichrist strategy here. And it says in First John chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, listen to this right here, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of the Father abides forever. Something to just be aware of when we're talking about and drilling down into maybe an advanced discussion on the operation of faith is that the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life, you can be about your business and you can see a thing and say, I want that. And then attempt to uh, bathe it in religious ter terminology. You can apply a form to it uh, this is some of the issues that I had. You know, I was raised in the faith camp. I was raised in the Word of Faith camp. Uh, Kennedy Hagen is my spiritual father, spiritual grandfather. We're raised in that camp. And while there was ph phenomenal revelation knowledge um, that the Lord ministered to him and he ministered to millions around the world, there have been abuses as there are and is and ongoing abuses with any revelation, Okay. But here's what the Lord was saying is uh, through that faith movement, we found out really some of the inner workings of faith, how things work in the spirit. We found out how faith works. We found out about the partnership, us and the Father, the word, the faith putting substance to, the, to that word, faith being substance to things hoped for, biblically or word-inspired revelation. Faith is a substance to those things. So we really discovered some inner workings here. But some people didn't hear the whole message or they got off or imbalanced because of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And the Lord helped me because I started to get off and I was just seeing things and wanting stuff. And then I applied the form of faith to it, but I didn't have authorization. Remember, Jesus said he's the author or the authorizer of faith. And uh, the Lord had to help me here uh, clean up my heart, get the lust for things out of my heart. And the Lord helped me by saying, look, the main thing is finishing. The main thing is the path that I have pre-planned for you. We saw that in Psalm 139. David had this revelation of all the days of his life were written in this book before he had even lived any of them. And the Lord was saying, look, the stuff in that book, the things in that book, the opportunity, resources, uh, the things, 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 stuff, 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 but opportunities, resources, relationships, the ministry plan, the ministry objective, all the tools that you would need to finish, whatever's in that book, he said, that's the main thing. Those are the things really that I've authorized. Those are the things that Holy Spirit, according to uh, John 14, 15, 16, 17, that whole section, that's what Holy Spirit is working to reveal or declare to us so we can put substance to those things so we can finish our race. That's the main thing. That's the main thing. And those are the main things that you want. 
And uh, so we've got to be watchful because there's a strategy strategy of Antichrist. It use, utilizes lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life to get you to just see a thing and then attempt to get God to get you that thing. But listen, that thing may not be in the direction that you need to go. And Father is more concerned right now. Remember, he said he'll perfect those things that concern you that concern you. He's more interested right now in you finishing and he's going to minister to you how to focus in true vision. Okay. Habakkuk chapter two is that passage that everybody uses when it comes to vision. But notice what he said in verse one, people skip over to verse one and they go straight to verse two, verse two, where he says, write the vision. People are writing all kinds of stuff down. I want this. I want that. I want to do this. I want to go there. I want to have that. I want to taste that. I want to know them. You know, I want to fly in that. I want to drive in that. I want to own that. I, you know, whatever. They're writing all, all this stuff down, but they skip verse one. Verse one says, I'm going to fortify myself in a rampart. This is a protected place. It's a place of fortification. And he said, I'm going to watch what he'll say to me. Verse two, what you're writing down is what you heard and saw him say to you. That's true vision. Not you just making up something that sounds good. That could be, not every situation and in every case is this true, but it could be the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life getting in there and getting you off course. And even if you're off course ever slow, so slightly, five years from now, you're going to be way off course if you don't make a course adjustment. And so that's what we're talking about today is really the submission of faith. Faith submits to what's revealed. So if I'm going to use the force of faith, that which applies substance to a revelation knowledge of something in the heavenly realms, if I'm going to utilize that and I'm going to work together with Heavenly Father on how this thing works, because the word's always first, and because he's the word, then he's the one who's orchestrating. If I'm working together with him, uh, then I'm just not making stuff up, but I'm using my faith to put substance to the things that Father is revealing to me. Now, um, some people may struggle with this. Some, some people may think that uh, this has taken all the fun out of, out of it, but I'm telling you, you are really disappointed and you're probably in what they call a place or a posture of faith failure where you're disheartened, you're disappointed, you're disillusioned. Um, I know lots of people who put stuff on God and when God didn't answer the way they wanted, how they wanted, in the time that they wanted, then they got mad at God. But, but we need to ask this question, wait a second, maybe it's not God, Maybe it's you've asked amiss. Remember James 4. We're going to get there because we're going to talk about something here in just a moment. But in James 4, he said, you ask amiss. You ask and you, and you don't receive because you ask amiss. The New Testament revelation is asking according to his will. Uh, you can look at that in various places in the book of John, uh, in 1 John. Um, John really had a, hand, a handle on it. We ask according to his will. We ask according to his will. It's not just whatever you make up. It's whatever is according to his will. Why is that true? Because Father is really dialed in right, right now on those things that concern you. He's perfecting that which concerns you. What concerns you? Whatever's in the book, the book of your life, the book of your destiny. That's what Holy Spirit has permission to search out. And because God is the alpha he is the beginning and he's the omega. He is the ending. Another verse in Isaiah said, only he can tell you the future. Why? Because he's already gone into the future 
and he's already established your destination. Okay. From start to finish, all that stuff in between from alpha to omega, all that in between is what concerns you. And remember that verse in Proverbs that says that it's the father's pleasure basically to conceal a matter and it's your honor to search it out. Let me get that reference for you. Um, Proverbs 25, 2, it is the glory of God. That's what it says. I, I like the idea that it's pleasing to God to conceal a matter, but it's your honor and it's my honor to search it out. Listen, God has hidden the things that concern you in a mystery. What, what are Bible mysteries? Bible mysteries are hidden things, but they're not hidden from you. They're hidden for you. Now, listen, they're hidden for you because the devil, uh, Satan, demons, something that's wrapped up in a mystery in Christ, the devil is not going to have access of. And you can get revelation knowledge of your future and receive it by faith before the devil can get in there and mess it up. And uh, so, listen, don't be upset if you're having to reset if you're having to uh, reconsider the whatever you're believing God for, because the New Testament revelation is he's perfecting that which concerns you, and it's according to his will. Now, Romans says, don't be a fool, but know God's wills. You can know. You can know. It's, it's, it's covenant. Um, part of the covenant is the uh, access to the knowledge of God's will as it concerns you, as it concerns the body, as it concerns the bride, as it concerns the building. The three major metaphors that you and I are in the New Testament, the mysteries aren't hidden from us. No, they're specifically wrapped up in a mystery, though, because it's our honor to seek out the revelation knowledge of it. Um, if you do, we touched on this in the last podcast, if you do like a faith book, uh, I have, uh, I mean, we, we, we learn this from the scripture. Habakkuk said to write things down. I have a three-ring binder. I should have brought it. Um, of course, if you're listening to me, you wouldn't be able to see it. You need to go to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Grace for the City podcast, and you can watch the live stream of the podcast from our studio. But if, if, if I had brought my three-ring binder where I keep the things that fathers revealed to me that I'm releasing my faith for. I've had to revise that binder several times because the Lord would reveal to me, he, he, would, he, he would talk to me about some of that stuff in there was the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life. I just saw a thing and I wanted it, so I put it in my faith book and then I said, God, go get it for me. And he said, well, that's not exactly how that works. And uh, so some things have come out because the main thing right now is finishing. The main focus right now is finishing. Listen, you may not go everywhere. You may not see everything. You might not own everything. You might not meet everybody. You may not look at that, taste that, experience this or experience that. This side of heaven. Why? Because the main thing is the finish. The main thing is running the race to the finish. We're pressing towards that. And Ecclesiastes says, uh, because Solomon went and did everything, and he summed it up, and he said, look, there's a lot of things that are just simply, it's vanity, okay? It's just, it's, it's vanity. Uh, some things, some experiences, 
are really a it's it's an idolization of things that are designed to get you off track now listen i'm i'm not saying that the lord doesn't want you to have a vacation we're i'm going on vacation in august my my family and i are getting to go to the beach and uh have a have a tremendous time uh that's not what i'm talking about the lord bless us with that uh i know it's part of the plan because it came by way of the blessing the blessing added that vacation to us um now we were inquiring of the lord how do we rest and the lord began to reveal us once again though the lord was involved here and the word of the lord came we were able to release our faith in accordance or in response to or in submission to the word of the lord we didn't just make up a thing and say god go do that for us um so my faith book has had to be revised several times because I want, I, want, I want to get the heart of the Father. I want to get the heart of the Father. Let me give you this scripture. I don't know if we covered this in last week's podcast, but in Ephesians chapter two, and I think the Amplified Classic adds a tremendous nuance to it, but I'm gonna read it to you here from the New King James. It says, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand. The prepared works, the things that were prepared beforehand. Where are those? Uh, where are those listed? Where is that uh, archived? Where's the knowledge of of that? Well, David in Psalm one hundred thirty nine said that it was written in the book. It was written in the book. There's a heavenly book, and it's got all the stuff that concerns you that you're supposed to do. It's part of your path, and that's what he goes goes on to say. It says prepared beforehand that we should walk in them good works here is referring to the path or the or the pathway it's the hebrew word derek it's god's ordained path it's his perfect will for you there's a path he's already established the 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 future that's why he's the provider comes from provision or being able to see ahead he's the one who's gone into your future already established the path the pathway this is all done beforehand you um and all that stuff is is hidden in a mystery he's concealed it but it's your honor it's your privilege to inquire about those hidden things to inquire about the path ahead for you those works those places those things that he's already put into the future it's your honor what a privilege for you to inquire and to uncover those things so you can put your faith to them and there are a lot of things right now that concern you that are existing in the heart of the father that he's wanting to reveal to you give you the word give you the authorization for you to put substance to it so that it'll manifest in the natural realm lands buildings vehicles equipment tools resources places opportunities relationships special privileges favors these are things that god has already planned for you now they they will not ever take on form they'll never take on substance if you don't come to the knowledge of them, how do you come to the knowledge of them? Well, that's part of the Holy Spirit's job. He'll take of what is his. Come on, you you know your Bibles. He'll take of what is his and he'll reveal it to you. Once it's revealed, you're authorized to put substance to it. So listen, if 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 you're if you're done with being disappointed, because disappointment is an antichrist strategy. If you're ready to walk in your God appointments, 
then this is what these podcasts are for. Now, let's go on into part two. I took 20 minutes, so I'm going to take another 20 minutes here. Let's go on into part two, and let's look at the other part to this that is associated with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, because you really got to monitor this. I mean, this is a strategy. It is a antichrist strategy that you really need to be aware of. So if, so if, if you have your Bibles handy, go to James chapter 4. This is where we're going to see it right here. James chapter 4. And there's something really significant here. Let me, let me get my notes up. James 4, verse 2, and he says this, You lust and do not have. You lust and do not have. I mean, right there is part of where this revelation is starting to unfold for us right before our very eyes right here. 1 John chapter 2 told us that there's something of the world and in the world. He connected it with Antichrist. You read the rest of, of chapter 2. And he said, there's the things of the world, and then there's a strategy that tries to get you to have a perspective or to look at these things in a particular way. And he says that this strategy is trying to get you to look at things through a lustful eye. Uh, it's trying to get you to see things through a prideful eye trying to get your flesh the natural part of you okay this is where it becomes sensual not sexual it could include that but sensual isn't always sexual sensual is sense sensual it's sensible okay it's it's the natural realm and how you the the flesh part of you the natural part of you interacts with the other elements that are in the natural realm well that's sense knowledge and this is a sensual operation it pulls on the flesh, the lust of it, the pride of it, and it, it, it it's trying to trap you um, in really a demonic strategy. He's the God of this world, God of this age. He's the God of the natural realm, and he's crafty, and you got to watch it because his strategies have to do with natural things, and if you recognize how he works through natural things, then you'll come way up above him. And he'll truly be under your feet because you're seated in the heavenly places. We have a spiritual operation now that we're born again. But we've got to recognize that there's a part of us that's still connected to the natural realm. And that's the part that we're going to overcome. That's, 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 that's the part that we're going to experience overwhelming victory. We've overcome the what? Overcome the world and the lust of it. Hallelujah. Nothing wrong with things because we need things. We're going to have things and we're going to have stuff resources, lands, buildings, equipments. We're going to have opportunities, relationships. These are all God-ordained, but there's a strategy to try and get us off of God's path forward into these things and get us wrapped up into the lust of these things. So he says right here, you lust and do not have. That's, that's the first revelation right there. You know, if you're writing stuff down in a faith book, but you're lusting, you're not going to get it. You don't get stuff by lust. You get stuff by faith. But faith is what? Faith cometh how? By hearing. So you're already partnering with God. Faith, true faith, true Bible faith is a response to revelation knowledge of something from the heart of the Father. Lust, you can lust for a thing and you can even have a really strong desire for it. That doesn't mean you're, you're going to get it. Now you could figure, figure out a way in the natural. You could toil for it. You can get a second job for it. You, you can get four side jobs for it. You could steal 
Yeah, you, you could murder for it. You could kill somebody and take it. You could steal. You know, when, when someone's not looking, you, you could steal it. But I'm saying, if you're going to Matthew 6, if you're going to have things added to you, then there's a posture. Faith then is a posture where you're inquiring of the Lord. You're just not seeing a thing and then wanting it or figuring some way out, figuring out some way in the natural to take it. So right here, you lust and do not have. If you've got stuff in a faith book and, you know, it's been, you know, I don't want to try and quantify time, but I'm saying if you inquire of the Lord, he'll help you. He'll just, just like he did me, he'll say, look, I, I didn't authorize that. Now he wasn't upset at me. Uh, he wasn't making fun of me, but he said, look, that, that item there, and there was a lot of items, but that right there, that wasn't authorized. Well, then what is it? What's well, a lust? I'm not saying it's sexual, but it's the lust of the flesh. The flesh wants that. There was something that the flesh said, I gotta have that. And this is where the pride of life comes in because everybody's trying to keep up with the Joneses. Well, listen, God's not trying to keep up with, with the Joneses. If he hasn't authorized it, then it's not authorized. And there's a trust that comes into play in this operation. You trust Heavenly Father. All right, so he says, you lust and do not have. Then he goes on and he says this, you murder, oh Jesus. And what, this is the word that we really wanna dive in on right here. You covet, you covet and cannot obtain. Well, right there is another revelation. Covetousness cuts us out from obtaining. You can't be in faith and covet on the same object here. Or let me see, there's a better way of saying that. You, you cannot have faith for the same thing you're coveting. That's the better way of saying that. You cannot have faith for the same thing you are coveting. Because right here, second part of the revelation, you covet and cannot obtain. Covetousness, and this is where, what I want to dial in on today on the podcast, the act of coveting. Covetousness will cut you out from receiving by faith. Now, it goes on. That verse, uh, verse two, verse three, it says you fight more, yet you do not have because you do not ask. All right, now we're gonna dial in on the word covet. Covetousness means this. Here's a functioning definition. It is an inordinate, inappropriate driving. Driving, driving's very important. The devil drives people. The devil forces people. Love, God is love, love is leads, fear forces, faith follows. Love leads, fear forces. Anything of fear, the devil, Satan, demons, they all have, albeit it may be subtle in certain, in certain instances, but they all try, they, they overplay their hand. There's a forcing because it's all about domination. It's about control. Uh, fear controls, control, control, control. If you get over into the revelation of Jesus Christ, he says, learn of me. I'm what? I'm humble. I'm humble. I'm meek. I'm humble. The revelation of the, of the uh, new creation, Christ Jesus, is one of submission. I yield myself. Service is the greatest element in the kingdom. Those who serve are the greatest. 
not those who dominate, who control. Now, we are given authority to take dominion, but not over people. The devil tries to force his hand. You always know the difference. You don't ever want to get into forcing, ever. And that's a, we'll get on that at some point in another podcast. But you got to understand that there's a driving element to covetousness. When something is revealed by faith, oh man, it, it's like ownership comes. In fact, the um, he, Hebrews, um, Hebrews 11.1 1 in the Amplified Classic adds this nuance to it. It says that faith is the title deed. When Father reveals something to you, you're not driven to try and get it. I'm driven. Oh, I'm driven. I got to push, 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 push. Get, 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 get. Murder, steal. Get it, however. I, I got to have it. No, 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 no. When Father reveals something to you, in the revealing is the title deed. Your eyes are illuminated to a thing, and you're like, that's already mine. I'm, I'm not driven. I already have it. I'm not forced to try to figure out a way. I don't have to lust after this. I don't have to crave, 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 crave because Father's revealed it. It's mine. I already own that. The revelation includes the title deed. Hallelujah. You're empowered to take possession of the thing that Father reveals to you. The, the devils say, Satan, demonic activity, antichrist operations might illuminate a thing. But there's a lust, there's a crave, there's a drive, there's a force associated with it. And that's what covetousness is. Covetousness is an inordinate, inappropriate, driving, controlling, and forceful desire to have something. That's the definition. Let me give it to you one, one more time as a whole. Covetousness is an inordinate, inappropriate, driving, controlling, and forceful desire to have something. I've got to have it. Got to have lust for it. Got it. It's pride. Got to have it. Now, Colossians 3, 5, very interesting. He says, put to death. Listen, you're born again. So he says, put to death what? The sinful, earthly, we could say sensual, right there, desires. Earthly and sensual go hand in hand. I'm not saying sexual, that can be included, but earthly, sensual, sensual, earthly, low, same, same. It's the same thing, earthly. Listen, he says, you're, you're born again. You're seated with Christ. Set your mind on things above. Where? In the heavenly realms. Don't be so sensual. Don't be so sense-able or sense-led. That's natural. You've been delivered from the bondage of the natural realm. Come on, you have access to, to the heavenly things. So he says, put to death, these earthly, sinful, sensual desires which are in your members, and then he lists some here. Fornication, uncleanness, passions, evil desires, and what? Covetousness, which is, th there's an inclusion here, an extra uh, add-on defining covetousness, and he says covetousness is idolatry. Covetousness is idolatry. And idolatry, what is that? Well, idolatry is the worship or the honor, worship and honor, of a false god. 
Now, this is very interesting. He says that covetousness is idolatry. Well, that's, whoa, okay, okay, well, let's dig into this. So the act of covetousness would be this. It's when you are controlled by or driven by the desire for something. And the Bible calls that posture, see, you're driven and controlled by the desire for a thing. So what happens is now you are postured or positioned in submission to the thing. That's why it's idolatry. Because now the thing, the object of your desire, has now put you or you've yielded, really, it, 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 it didn't do it of itself because you have a free will. But you have positioned yourself now, your knee has bowed, so to speak, in submission to the thing rather than to God. So uh, let's say it like this. If there is a want, okay, if there's a want, a strong want in your heart, and that want is so strong to the point that you are controlled by it, meaning the object of your desire or affection has such an influence in your life to the point that now your actions are dictated in reference to the thing or the want or the desire. The Bible calls that idolatry. So it is possible to want something and desire something so bad that you give up control of your actions in an attempt to get the attention of the thing. Listen, you got to understand why this is such an antichrist strategy. The reality is that many people, even you and I, in the past, we've altered our, our behavior and even set aside good sound decision-making standards because of an inordinate and inappropriate desire to have something or to possess a thing. And it doesn't matter what it is. It, it, it could be anything that would be wrong, alcohol, drugs, sex, whatever, or it could be things that aren't necessarily wrong, but they are in the wrong place. They're things that don't concern you, yet you're lusting after them, a boat, a four-wheeler, a vacation, a plane, a home, uh, a vacation, you know, I'm just, clothes, things, stuff, bicycle, whatever, Nintendo, Xbox, it could be anything, anything at all. And it gets really dangerous. This strategy gets really covert and crafty when the Antichrist strategy here, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life, when it illuminates a thing, and that thing does not concern you at all. It's not in the book of your life. It's, it, it has nothing to do with you finishing. It could be a complete strategy of distraction. And yet here it is. It's like, I've got to have this thing. Well, that, that's where you need to realize that's where God wants to help you. When you're going through your vision, he'll say, man, that's not been authorized. Now, listen, when Father says that's not been authorized, don't go, oh, man, you don't love me. No, man, don't do that. He is a good father. He is the good shepherd. He, it says, I shall not want. I'm, I'm going to close with that thought there. Um, he is such a good father that he's helping you want is basically what that's saying. So when he says, look, I haven't authorized that, you cannot, do not, let the enemy in any further when father says look that doesn't concern you don't get frustrated don't get upset at that say thank you wow hallelujah thank you father you just revealed 
a lust of the world. Now, that lust, if, if you're born again, I'm not saying it's of you, it's a strategy against you. That lust, that pride of life, that lust of the flesh, lust, lust of the eyes, I'm, I'm not saying it's of you. You're born again. It's a strategy against you. And the devil's used a thing to get you in a position of uh, being enmity. Remember what the, what, what, what the Bible says. Listen, friends. The Bible says to be friends with the world is enmity against God. The lust of the world is, is a strategy to put you in a position where God can exalt you. It's not that God doesn't want to. It's a strategy against him, and it's a strategy against you. So when he says, look, hey, that thing in your heart, you're coveting. Don't freak out about that. Say, thank you, God. Wow. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you right now, and I give you praise that you brought that up to me because you love me. And so I repent of it right, right now in the name of Jesus. I repent of that covetousness. And then you can inquire of the Lord, hey, listen, does this object have any play? Does this object concern me at all? Is it in the plan at any time? Because if it's not, I'm going to get my heart off of it. I'm going to get my eyes off of it. And I'm not going to position myself to be snared by it. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what it is. You, you could, if you're a lady, you could have inordinate, inappropriate desires about getting your nails done or your hair done or, you know, looking a certain way, dressing a certain way. Same thing if you're a guy. These could be inappropriate. You could be coveting. You, you could have an idol that you would appear or look like you're successful in a certain way or you know you have this or you have that because you're trying to keep up with the joneses you got to understand this strategy is very pervasive uh satan's had a few years to kind of work out some of the kinks but you and i have unction we have holy ghost helping us here and listen holy ghost is going to reveal to us those things that concern us and there may or may not be a differentiation between the objects the devil could have used a particular object that may or may not be as uh, con associated with your plan your purpose your destiny and using it as a snare so you got to inquire of the lord faith again is not just making stuff up you don't make something up and say i'm in faith no faith is a response to the revealed will of god hallelujah somebody thank you father all right, so 1 Corinthians 6.10, it says that drunkards, revilers, or extortioners, and then it adds this, nor coveters will what? Inherit the kingdom of God. Now, this if you're coveting, it doesn't mean you've lost your salvation. Here's what, here, here's what this, this phrase, will not inherit the kingdom of God, means. It doesn't mean that you'll lose or be robbed of your salvation, but what it does mean is you won't walk in the full inheritance of a believer. You won't walk in the fullness of who you are in Christ Jesus if you persist in these actions, being drunk, reviling, extorting, or coveting. Those things hinder you from walking in the fullness of what is yours as a new creation in Christ Jesus. That's part of the close. Ephesians 5 says you're supposed to take off. You're supposed to take that stuff off, put on Christ. Christ doesn't do those things. Christ is not coveting. Christ is not a drunkard. Christ is not a reviler. Christ doesn't extort. So um, covetousness then, I've given you three verses here. We've, we've realized covetousness is serious. It's, it's a serious anti-strategy, okay? It's, it's not for you. It is definitely against you, and it's against God. So um, 
covetousness will rob you from receiving from heaven because you can't be in faith and coveting the same thing. You can't be in faith for an item or an opportunity or whatever and be coveting at the same time. You're not going to get it. If you're coveting, you're not going to get it. If you're coveting, you're not in faith. Okay, and if you're in faith, you're not coveting it. Um, covetousness, let's say this, covetousness is the posture of submission to something else giving you wants. Covetousness inspires inordinate desires. Covetousness, again, is an antichrist strategy of demonic wisdom. The goal of covetousness is to shift you into a position of submission under or beneath the object of your desire. The car, the house, the thing, the position, the places, the people, the jobs, the promotion, the favor, the stuff, the anything, the whatever. That's what he said in James 4.2. He says, you covet and you cannot obtain. The act of coveting is idolatry. It's submission to an object rather than submission to God. Listen, if you go on in James, he says what? Therefore, what do you do? Submit to God. That's, that's what he said in verse 7. Don't submit to things. Submit to God. Okay? Um, James is saying that you can have a strong and even an intense desire for things and still never get them, never obtain them. This is the snare of covetousness. Covetousness says the object of your affection owns you. Again, listen to this. Covetousness is a demonic exploitation and a hijacking of the sculpting or the crafting of desire. Covetousness hijacks or exploits the pure function of desire. Now, listen, let's, let's get scripture on that. I want, I want to show you something here very important. Psalm 37. If you got your Bibles, digital or otherwise, go to Psalm 37. Now, you probably know this verse in verse 4. It says this, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Now, the key to unlocking this, this, this passage is, is looking into the word delight. What is delight? Uh, well, delight means this, to be pliable. It means to be moldable. It means to be shapeable. Remember, we are the what in the potter's hands. We are the clay in the potter's hands. Think Play-Doh. Remember Play-Doh? You know, that colored, I don't, what's it made of? I have no idea. It's some material, it's squishy. And, you know, you can run it through stuff. You can make shapes. My kids, I, we've got Play-Doh for days, okay? They take this Play-Doh and they make shapes with it. You know, there's all kinds of stuff you can do. Think Play-Doh. Think clay in the hands of the potter. If you delight yourself in the Lord. Well, delighting yourself in the Lord means that you are not hard. You're not dry. You know what I mean? You ever mess with dry clay or dry Play-Doh? You can't shape it. It, it, it's, it, it resists being formed. Well, this is what he's saying. Delight yourself. Be moldable. Be pliable. Be shapeable in the hands of the Lord and what he will work. He'll work in. He'll shape. He'll sculpt what? The desires of your heart. Now, why would he do this? Well, because we're to be passionate about what Father's passionate about. 
We're to desire what Father desires. We want what Father wants. He's, he's, he's the great wanter. Hallelujah. He is a very good want wanter. He wants amazing stuff. He's one of the best that's desiring for things. He originated, come on, calling those things that be not. And if you'll let him work, what is he working in you? He's working in the mysteries. What are the mysteries? It's the things that concern you, but it's your job to seek them out. He's the author and the what? The finisher. He's the alpha and the omega. He's already gone to your end and everything in between. That's what he's working in. He's shaping these things in there. You have to trust that. If if you don't trust that, there's nothing I can do. You're beyond help if you don't trust that Heavenly Father knows what you have need of even before you ask. Where's that at? Well, that's in Matthew. We found out in Matthew, he knows what I need even before I even ask. He knows what I need before I'm aware of what I need. He knows what I want before I even know what is necessary, what is required, what would be the perfect will in this area. He already knows what I need before I do. What's he doing? He's crafting, he's shaping, he is forming those same wants, the same want that he has, he's shaping that same want in me. The same desire he has, he's molding those desires in me. The same passions he has, he's shaping those passions in me. Why? So that I can want what he wants, desire what he desires, and become passionate about what he is passionate about. Listen, if you're taking notes, get these things here. Get the, these are very, very simple, but it'll set you free. God gives desires. Oh, thank you, Father, for them. God authorizes wants. God gives wants. Oh, I tell you, the devil. Man, the naysayers, I, they... You know, well, bless them, bless them, bless them, bless them, bless them, bless them. Pray for those that despitefully use you, persecute you, slander you. We bless you in the name of Jesus, whoever you are. But I'm telling you, the world hates it when the church does this. I'm telling you because the Satan hates this reality. He hates it, absolutely hates it. He doesn't want you wanting anything. He wants you broke, poor, and in lack. So anytime the church gets revelation knowledge that we that want is not bad. Want is not evil. Now you can want something that's opposite God, but I'm telling you, when you want what he wants, whoo, man, powerful right there. When you desire what he desires, you you can have an inordinate desire. That's that's covet, coveting, covetousness. But I'm telling you, when you desire what he desires, man, there's power. When you're passionate, you can be passionate about, about things that the Father isn't passionate about. That's an antichrist strategy. But when you're passionate about what he's passionate about, mm, 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 come on, somebody. Things are going to get done. And you're going to walk in a level and in a demonstration of faith putting substance to things that you haven't experienced before. When you align your wants with his and your desires with his and your passions with, with his, boom. All of a sudden, the blessing begins adding things. Hallelujah. And lastly, this, this thought here, the Lord helps you to want. Now, let's close with this last verse because we're about out of time on the podcast. Psalm 23, 1. Turn there. Psalm 23. 
Psalm 23. Oh, we like this psalm, don't we? We like Psalm 23. What's it say? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Now, the word want there is uh, actually the word lack. And uh, so it's saying, because the Father is my shepherd, he's my authority. The Father is my path, okay? If I'm following the shepherd, uh, if... Uh, if I'm a, sh- a sheep, we are. Metaphorically, we're sheep. We don't need to stay sheep forever, but praise the Lord, we're sheep. When we're born again, we're sheep. And you're going to grow up, and you're going to become something else than just a sheep, but praise God, we're sheep. If the Father is my shepherd, and I'm a sheep, and I'm following my shepherd, that's, that's what sheep do. And the voice of a stranger, they don't follow. We found, found that out in John. My sheep know, know my voice. They hear my voice. and They don't hear the voice of a stranger. But if I'm following my shepherd, then my shepherd is my path because the shepherd knows the path. My shepherd is my direction because my shepherd knows the way I should go. I shall not want. So if he's the good shepherd, then I don't lack for anything because the shepherd has the knowledge. He knows where the green grass is, right? What's it say? He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Well, how did I get there? The shepherd led me. Father led me, okay? Uh, He leads me besides the still waters, okay? How did I get to the still water? The shepherd. He had the knowledge of where the green grass is. He knows where the best watering holes are. And uh, notice it's uh, uh, still, meaning it's peaceful. Uh, It's not agitated. He doesn't take us into the den of predators, say, in this perspective of him as father and so i trust that so utilizing the topic that we're discussing today the word want in the king james it says want but it's really referring to lack because if the shepherd is so good then i'm not going to lack for anything because the shepherd's going to take care of me he's going to make sure that i've got my food my water everything that i need because he's responsible for me as a sheep just like you would be for your animals or whatever. But let's let's take this word want and let's uh, play with it a little bit here without destroying the context. Now, we understand that it, it means we we'll, won't lack for anything. But not wanting is a trust issue. Okay, so lacking for nothing in same context, working with the exact word, not lacking for anything is also a trust issue because I've got to follow the shepherd. I've got to trust that he's going to take me and wherever he leaves me, I'm not going to miss out on anything. I'm not going to lack for nothing. All right. But let's take this a little bit further. I shall not want, meaning I don't have to do my own wanting because I have a supernatural father who is wanting for me. He's my shepherd. He's already written down all the days of my life in this book. I don't have to want for anything because I have an amazing supernatural father who's already wanted for me. He's, he's already desired, and he's already authorized these wants. Where are they? They're in the book of my life. What mystery are they wrapped up in? The things that concern me. I don't have to want in my own strength. I have supernatural assistance to want. I have help. I have supernatural help to want things. 
I have a covenant with the Heavenly Father that he's going to help me desire. Uh, again, you can see how, wow, covetousness is such a crafty strategy. Your ability to want is not a bad thing. It just, it needs to be protected. The devil is going to try hijack and exploit that ability that you and I have to want what father wants. The devil wants to hijack and exploit the ability that father put in us to desire what he desires and to be passionate about what he is passionate about. Satan is going to try and use covetousness to hijack that operation to where now something else is giving you wants. Something else is inspiring desire. These are all inappropriate and inordinate, but something else has hijacked this position. Now in James 4, 4, he says this, he calls us adulterers and adulteresses. And he says, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Why is this? And then in verse 5 of James 4, 5, it says, don't you know that the spirit on the inside of you, the one, the, the, because he's talking to born again folk here. The spirit that, that's in you dwells in you and yearns jealously. What's he saying? What's he saying? He's saying submit to God, verse, verse 7. Why? Because God's jealous. Now, we've always preached on verses 6 and 7 because these are powerful standalone principles, but in context, what is James revealing to us here? James is saying that we have been wanting things but have been unable to get them because we haven't been submitted to God, and he's jealous about that. In fact, God just called them adulterers because they were trying to get stuff without his help. God is jealous. He wants to give you wants. He wants to give you desires. It makes him jealous when we let covetousness highlight objects. God says, you can come to me and I'll give you the desires of your heart. But instead he said, we've committed adultery by going to the world to get our wants. Now, now listen, understand the trap. Because James just told us that you desire and you covet, you ask and you don't get, you can't obtain, and you still don't have it yet. You see the trap? And you see why God says, look, recognize this strategy. They're giving you want, but they don't intend on coming through. Listen, God's the one saying, not only will I inspire the desire, I'll follow through on it. I'll authorize you to take possession of it. God's saying that he wants to be the one who originates a desire for a thing. He says that he's jealous in this way. He knows that we have need of things. He wants to be the one to tell us to go get it. We cheat on God in this way. So lastly, as, as we close, uh, I want to encourage you, submit to God. Let him give you the desire for things. Trust him to prompt you to want something. Trust him. Listen, friend, trust him to prompt you to want something. Do you think you can turn loose of the fear of going without? What if you submitted yourself to God and you didn't want or desire things inordinately or inappropriately until Holy Spirit revealed it to you? Trust him to be thinking about what you need. God is interested in your needs being met, friend. Humble yourself. Allow your provider to minister to you. Hallelujah. And here's the hardest challenge of all these. Let him reveal to you what you want. Hallelujah. Thank you for tuning in to the podcast today. This has been 
the Grace for This City podcast, and we're helping you turn your cities upside down. Listen, if we can uh, support you in any way, if we can help you in any way, it would be our honor to do so, particularly if you need somebody to agree with you in prayer. Call us, 870-741-9099. Leave a message. Somebody will get right back with you. We want to stand with you. We want to agree with you. If you need prayer for healing or any such thing, reach out to us or send us an email, hello at gracecitychurch.tv. That's hello at gracecitychurch.tv. I want to give a big shout out to all of our partners out there who have supported the podcast uh, financially in any way, or you've contributed something to help keep the podcast on the air. It takes a little bit to do what we do. So we thank you in advance for partnering with us. If you would like to join those who have already contributed financially to the podcast, several ways to do that. If you're in the United States, you can text to give 84321. That's 84321. Look for Grace City Church. Follow the prompts. Uh, or you can go to the website, gracecitychurch.tv forward slash give. Right there's several ways that you can do it. Or if you'd like to mail us a check, that's P.O. Box 7. Harrison, Arkansas, 72602. P.O. Box 7, Harrison, Arkansas, 72602. Thank you so much for tuning in to the podcast today. And until next time, my friends, be blessed.